15 and verse 1. When you got it, say so. Here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us this privilege to worship and adore your name and be reminded of your great love, Lord God. Father, this morning, Lord, we just surrender our hearts before your word, and we ask you, God, to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. We ask you to speak to us clearly today, Lord God. We pray that you, Lord, would help us to not just be hearers of your word, but doers of it. God, be glorified. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And someone said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so really quickly, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Um, keep your hands up so that way our ushers can get them to you. And for those of you that don't have your hands up, can we just give our youth a hand for serving? We want to appreciate them. It's a beautiful thing to see our young people serving in the house of the Lord. That's a good thing. So we're raising them up so that way they know how to serve, all right? Keep those hands up. They're going to come to you. Really quickly, I want to give an update. Um, last, last Sunday, I announced to you this 40 Days of Prayer initiative. And so we have, um, we've had some really awesome time. Um, I, I got to wait for you to put your hands down. Keep your hands up so you can get your, your outline here. I just wanted to see how many of y'all have actually been able to get on the call. If you've been able to get on some of these calls, not all of them, just some of the calls, raise your hand. Get your hands up there. Praise the Lord. Give yourselves a hand. That is awesome stuff. That's almost 100%, you know. This is 90%. I'm good with that. Glory to God. Here, I, I hope that you all can get on these calls. It's been an amazing, an amazing time. Um, there have been so, so many things that I could share with you just in this one week that have been really, really encouraging. Um, one of the things that amazed me first and foremost was our first call on, on, on Monday was obviously we're doing the, the prayer times 4.30, 12.30, and 9.30 at night. And so I wasn't sure who I was going to be praying with. I knew there was one person going to be on the phone with me for sure, and that was Pastor Aldo because he, you know, I knew, I knew that one. He was like, I'll be there. So I was like, all right. You know, two or more gathered together in my name. You know, I was like, okay. And, um, and when I finished the calls, I actually get a, re a report, and there were 14 people on that first call. Is that not awesome? Right? Praise the Lord. And for that, for that 4 o'clock in the morning call, we've, we, we've had up to 25 people called in on the 4.30 in the morning. Amen. I mean, that's awesome. And Sister Anna brought to my attention, she's like, yeah, that's 25 people that called in. That's not including families that are around those phones that are praying together. And so we, we, we've seen some awesome things there. Um, one of the things that have been, that's been amazing as well, my wife shared it before. Um, she said there was a young lady who asked for prayer last night, and my daughter overheard it, and she was like, Mommy, who is that? And we were like, I don't know. And so we have people that are calling from Baltimore 
Baltimore, New York, different places that are praying. Um, that's, that's awesome, right? God is doing this beautiful thing. Uh, Minister John Casanova, he's like got a vision to see 100 people on every call and grow from there to like 300 and just, you know, go to the nations with it. Hey, this is beautiful. I'm excited, right? I mean, it's, it's God just doing, you know, God called us to respond to him. You know, he says to seek him while he may be found. And so I just encourage you to get on these calls. It's been a, an awesome time for me. I mean, I've been stirred. I've been motivated. Um, I'm losing my voice, but glory to God, I lose it for his, for his name. Amen. Um, and so we're excited. I told, I told the leaders I was going to let them, I was going to allow them to lead some prayer calls um, for the rest of the 40 days. But this morning, um, I felt really convicted in my heart. And so I feel like I'll be disobedient if I let anyone else lead a prayer call for the first 40 days. That's something that God called me to do. So I'm going to do that. But after those 40 days, say after those 40 days. It's not over in 40 days, right? This is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I just felt like, you know, this was the time, you know, the way that the Spirit of the Lord has been calling me. Um, and so what, what's going to happen after these 40 days is we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to have time, these times of prayer, and at that time, then I'll share the, the wealth, amen, you know, with the, with the other leaders and, and be able to let them lead some, some prayer times. But I plan to be on every single call, um, especially, I mean, for sure, the 4.30 morning call, that, 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 believe it or not, that is really, you know, one of my favorite calls. The 9.30, I don't know, y'all are more spiritual at 9.30 than 4.30, but... Um, <laughs> But ultimately, I just want to say that it's been a beautiful time. And so um, the, the one thing, can we go to that next slide just so we can just, for anyone who didn't get the information, and I can send it to you as well. Um, the conference call, this, this is the number there, which is 712-770-4010. The access code is 802-987. Again, we're going to be praying Monday through Saturday. Now, there was somebody that might have called today. Because um, I, I looked on my phone and I got some notifications that there were like three or four people that called today. I apologize if that was one of you. Um, we we aren't going to do them on Sunday mornings just because we have our six six a.m. to eight a.m. prayer time here in the church, and so I'm getting ready at four thirty to be here. So. Make sure you don't call on Sundays. And if you have friends that are calling in, make sure they know that it's Monday through Saturday, okay? Um, the other thing, too, that I thought was pretty awesome is that we have, I think, 17 people on Saturday morning at 4.30. Amen. Y'all love that 4.30. Glory to God. Hey, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. So get on the calls if you can. If I don't have your number, if you're not receiving text messages from me, I actually changed up my whole thing on my phone so that way I try to get every single person on, on the church um, distro list. I try to get everyone to text a couple minutes before. So just make sure that, um, you know, you get on those calls if you can. And one last thing, please make sure you mute your phones while we're praying. I try to give you, I, say it again. Yes, so remember, when you call in, right, you don't have to announce yourself when, when, when you're calling in late, okay? So don't be like, you know, 4, 440, Jason, like, oh, my goodness. I, yesterday, I don't know what happened, but I started praying. I thought someone said bishop, and I was like, yes. I was like, I didn't know. I'm like, what happened there? So listen, don't announce yourself if you're calling in late. You can announce yourself if you're calling in, you know, right on the time. What I actually started doing until the end of the week is I'm giving you one minute because I know people are calling in right on that 430, um, um, 1230, um, 930. And so I'm giving us one minute, and then we're going to start. But please, I want to repeat this. I repeated it like four times the other day, and someone didn't hear me. I don't know. You may not realize that your phone is unmuted, but we all do. You may be like, I feel the Lord, and we're like, we can't hear because we hear the background noise from your phone. So please be sure to mute those phones. We're having a great time, and you feel free. Listen, seriously, feel free. Invite as many people as you like onto these calls. Um, Sister Cheryl asked me if there's a limit. I think the limit is 1,000, so we got up to 1,000. Amen? So just go on ahead. We haven't even come close yet, so you can keep on inviting people and um, get on those calls and let the Lord do what he's going to do. Amen? 
All right, let's get into these scriptures here that we're looking at today. Um, you have your outlines in front of you, and so you can follow along with me. We're going to talk today about connection matters. Connection matters. And so Jesus, we just read here, and, or as we've gone through these scriptures and we've come to this point, Jesus, having washed his disciples' feet, had communion with them, taught them true humility and service, encouraged them to be excited about him leaving them to prepare a place for them and be glorified, now shared with them about the importance of connections. And as I said, the title of the message this morning is Connection Matters. It is important for us that we are connected one to another. It is important to us that we are connected to God Almighty. It is important that we have the right connection, kingdom connections. After I, I, I titled it um, Connection Matters, I was going to retitle it Kingdom Connections, but I want you to realize that it's important that we have the right connections, right? I was thinking as I was, as I was um, you know, meditating on, on the message, and I thought about a blow dryer, and it could be because I don't have hair. And I envy those of you that do. That could be what it is. I don't know. But nonetheless, I was thinking about a blow dryer. I'm like, you know, if you plug a blow dryer into the light socket, it's going to be good to go, right? You know, you have power. But if you have that blow dryer plugged into the light socket and then you drop it in a pool of water, that's a bad connection, right? It could be problematic. You could die. I mean, things happen that are really bad when situations like that occur. And so it's important to us to make sure that we look at connection as being an important thing and that we consider what the scriptures teach on this being connected. We live in a culture, second paragraph in your outline there, we live in a culture where real connections are scarce in many lives. We pride ourselves on being autonomous and don't typically put great value on being connected to anyone outside of our circle of trust, which is usually biological and a few select individuals. Now, I say this because it's important. Y'all remember the movie Meet the Parents? How many of y'all remember that movie? Raise your hand if you remember the movie. Come on, if you saw the movie. Don't, don't, be in the, don't, don't act like you didn't see it because you're like, oh, I don't know that movie. I'm so holy. Listen, we just started praying last Monday. I'm just kidding. Okay, so here's the thing. You weren't holy like five years ago. No, but here's the thing. You remember when, when, he went, when, when, when he went to meet the parents and he was like the circle of trust, right? If you weren't in that circle, you was, you was out. You out of gas, right? And so the thing is, we have to have this, this understanding that we, even though we may not be exactly like him to that degree, we are just like that. We have our little circle of trust if we have that, and many of us don't even have that. Because we live in a day, my wife, she's, she comments and she's, she tells me, we're having a text message conversation today. She's like, it's amazing how we talk today. Today we talk through text messages. We'll, we'll be in the same room sometimes or in the same house sending text messages to each other. Hello? Right? I mean, you literally, literally, you have some marriages that have reduced their communication to text messages because if not, they're arguing. Hello, somebody. It's terrible, right? I mean, but this is just a reality. The truth is that we're the same with our friends. My wife is all the time. I'll be with Lewis, like we're texting back and forth. She's like, why don't you pick up the phone? I'm like, you know, you're right. This would be much easier on my fingers and we'd get a lot more done much quicker, right? And so the truth is we are not connected the way that we're supposed to be. And we really pride ourselves on being autonomous, on being, listen, I do my thing, you do your thing, and that's how we're going to be. But the, but the reality is we need to value connections the way that the scriptures teach. Being correctly connected, third paragraph here, matters. Literally, it is life or death. I want that to sink in for a moment. I'm not just saying that to be, you know, verbose or to be, you know, dramatic, you know, it's life or death. No, no, no. I, I want you to get 
that connection really matters to the degree that it is life or death according to what Jesus says. Jesus says here is that he is what? He is the vine. We are the branches, right? And so if we are not connected to him, we can do nothing. So it's important that we get this. See, we must ensure that we are connected to Jesus who is the source of life, connected to our family in Christ with whom we share that life, and connected missionally to the world that hates this life. Did you get that? The scriptures we're looking at today have three different types of connections that we have, and we'll look at them all three. To, we'll look at them all three. So here's the big idea, and this is a longer one. I'm sorry, I couldn't make it shorter. I could have made it shorter, but I decided not to. And so here it is. Out of our connection with Jesus will flow the life of God for edification and salvation. I'll say it one more time. I know they put it up there behind me, but out of our connection with Jesus will flow the life of God for edification and salvation. See, it's out of that connection that we have with Christ that the, the, the power of God, the life of God flows from us so that we can bring edification to our brothers and sisters, to those who know Jesus, and we can be vessels of salvation to those who do not know Jesus. But if we are not connected to the Lord the way we're supposed to be, we are not going to see the edification the way that God wants us to see among one another because we're disconnected from who? The root. We're disconnected from the vine. And we're also not going to be vessels that are going to bring salvation that message of hope with power and authority. One of the reasons why I felt so compelled to begin to pray and cry out to God is because, you know what, we preach the gospel and we communicate um, the, the truth of God's word in this place, but you know what, I want to see more of God's power manifesting in and through our lives. Are you hearing me? You see, because it's one thing for me to believe what the scriptures teach, right? It's one thing for me to know, okay, this is what the Bible says on this topic. It's one thing for me to have some doctrinal correctness in my mind or in my heart. It's a whole different thing for me to walk in the power of those scriptures. Are you here? And what I want for us is that we as a church experience the power of God the way that God can and will manifest if we will just continue to submit to him and continue to seek him. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must ensure we are connected to Jesus, the source of life. We must ensure that we are connected to Jesus, who is the source of life. And so when we look at the scriptures that we just looked at in verses 1 through 11, we actually looked through verses 1 through 8, but we'll look at the rest in a moment. But Jesus makes it clear for six verses, hear me when I say this, for six verses that we can only bear fruit by being connected to the life source, and that is Jesus. Are you hearing me? He went through all of this, these first six verses, and talking to his disciples, making sure that they understood something. I love what the text says. If you look at verse 2, it says this. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, meaning the Father, takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear much fruit, or that, that it may bear more fruit. And so I want you to look, because where it says there, in some of your translations, it might say lifts up. Instead of takes away. A better translation there would be lifts up. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. What does that mean? It's showing the love of the Father. And it shows us how much God wants us to bear fruit. And what he does is rather than just yanking us out, throwing us away, he lifts us up. What he does is he positions us so that way we can, in, in this context, if you're looking at a plant, what he does is he lifts us up and that way we can receive the sunlight, we can receive the nutrient, we can receive the life that we need in order to do what? In order order for us to bear the fruit that he desires. In other words, God doesn't just kick us out because we don't bear fruit right away. Are you hearing me? 
God doesn't look at us and say, well, you know, you're not bearing fruit, so you got to get out of here. There isn't a way that God, that, that God is. God shows us his grace and his love by doing what? Positioning us, doing what he can in our lives. So here's the thing. I want you to get this. Because Jesus says that we cannot bear fruit apart from him, he makes it clear. This, this is what he shows us. Our fruitfulness is dependent upon our relationship with Jesus. Are you here? Our fruitfulness is dependent upon our relationship with Jesus. Hear me. Let me add to it. No one but Jesus can make you and I fruitful. Are you here? It is because of my relationship with Christ, because of your relationship with Jesus, that you can bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. No one else can, listen, I don't care how many Christians you're connected to, they cannot make you bear fruit because they don't have the power to get inside of you, change your heart, change your mind, change your way of being. They can't live through you, but our God can. Are you here? And so what we understand is that. Here's what I want to say as well. No one can make you unfruitful if you're connected to Jesus. No one can make you unfruitful if you are connected to Jesus. Now, listen, I want to speak to my married couples in here. I know it's real easy to play the blame game. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because of you that I'm like this. Hold on a second. Time out. Really? It's your fault that I'm this way. I do this because of... How does that work before you and Jesus? Well, Jesus... Well, I'm going to tell you how it works. You remember the Garden of Eden? Remember that story? Lord, it was this woman you gave me. How could you do that? It was a snake, Lord. You know what happened? Everyone experienced the curse. Hello. No one in there was, was not subject to some kind of judgment. Why? Because everyone is accountable for their own actions. And what Jesus does, listen, and for, and for those of us that are married, um, there's a book, I think, and I know that we gave it to, to everyone that went to our last you know, marriage retreat. It's called Sacred Marriage, right? For those, some of you, I know some of y'all took that book home, didn't even read it, but I want you to know something. You should take a moment, sit down, take a few moments, sit down and read it. You know, the subtitle is, what if God meant for your marriage to make you holy, not happy? And it's not that holiness and happiness are exclusive. The problem is the way that we put them in order. Because some of us want to be happy and then we'll be holy. And that's not always and usually never how God is trying to work. Hello. He wants us to be holy so we can experience that happiness. And so that's the reality for us. And so we want to try to blame people. And it's not just in marriage. It can be at work. You know, these coworkers of mine, if they weren't like this, I wouldn't. These neighbors of mine, I wouldn't. Listen, it's no one's fault. Now, 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 let, now let me say this, you know, in the reality, the reality is if you're around the wrong people, almost definitely they can hinder your fruitfulness. Hello. That's true, but, but, but what I want you to realize is they cannot stop your fruitfulness. You know what God will do? Here's what God will do. God will prune you so you can bear the fruit he wants you to, he wants you to bear. He will deal with you in whatever situation or circumstance you find yourself in so that way you can bear fruit because what? The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. And so Jesus declares that our fruitfulness brings glory to the Father. It is proof of the life of God in operation today. So what does that fruitfulness look like? What does it look like? When we talk about bearing fruit, if you were to just measure your life and say, does my life bear fruit? I'm going to tell you four things real quick right here, just to, and, and I'm not going to go and get real elaborate on them, but I want you to see that these are clearly written out as we look at what Jesus is communicating. So as he's talking to, to, to his disciples, he's telling them that if we abide in him, right, 
Look what he says in verse 7. He says, if you abide in me, for first, first six verses, you can't bear fruit apart from me. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, by what, what is this? By this, talking about the preceding verse and, and the preceding verses, which is fruitfulness that is seen in what? Answered prayer. And so the first thing that we see by Father is glorified is that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so the first way that we know that we are fruitful is answered prayer. I want you to hear me when I say this. No is an answer as well as yes. Some people think that if God is not saying yes to you and everything, somehow all of your prayers are unanswered or those prayers won't answer. God can say no as well. Hello, somebody. And sometimes he says no for our benefit. As a matter of fact, I would say anytime he says no, it's not just because he's mean. You know, you know, you know, you know, you see those relationships between, you know, brothers and sisters. And sometimes they just say no just to see the other sibling start screaming. Uh-huh. Some of y'all are repenting right now. I know. I know. You remember that. You're like, that was mean. Yes. That was very mean. And I don't get it. When I see that kind of stuff, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that. I'm like, why do, you, why, why do you want to hear this child scream? I don't get that. Can I tell you something? God in heaven is not saying no because he wants to hear you scream. Are you hearing me? He's, he's, not, here. he's not saying no. I, let, let's see how they act. I want to see them cry. That isn't why God says no to us. God says no for many reasons, but it's not because he wants to be mean to us. He wants us to bear fruit. And so answered prayer is one way that we show fruit. We continue on. Look at verse 9. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So the first one is answered prayer. The second thing of fruitfulness is abiding love. We go on in verse 10. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So not only is it abiding love, but it is also obedience, keeping the commandments of Christ. And so the first thing we see is fruit, a fruitful life is what? That we are a people who are hearing answers to our prayers. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example. And, it, and, and please, please know this. This is not to boast, but uh, I, I just want to give glory to God for this. We were on, on prayer on one of the calls, and we're doing a baptism service today. And as we're doing this baptism service today, in the beginning, there was one person that was signed up for the baptism service, and she's not even from Florida. She's coming from New York, and I'm like, okay, God. And so I was, I'm straight up. I will confess to you. I was upset. I was discouraged. I'm like, God, I don't. What's up with this, you know? And so, you know, I continue to pray, continue seeking the Lord. You know, uh, for, for Fernando Peralta, he signed up for a baptism. Praise the Lord. So the list went to two. And so we're on a prayer call. For some of you, were on that call, and I just felt the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and I'm like, God, I'm praying that you would even add to that list. And you know, I just went off, and you know, and, and I, I felt God's inspiration there. And and so as I'm, you know, I'm yesterday, I'm on my way to go to someone's house, and I get a phone call from Berman, and I pick it up, and he, and he called me and said, Bishop, I got your email about being baptized, and my wife and I want to be baptized. Come on, you got to give God praise for that. And so... Listen, and I'm still believing there might be somebody sitting in here today that you haven't been baptized yet, and you need to make it happen. It is not too late. The water is warm waiting for you. Amen? I'm just saying. Listen, you can make a commitment to Christ and say, Lord, I want to make this, this, this public you know, profession of my faith. That's what it's about, right? It's about us being connected to Christ and living that out. And so the point is, we have answered a prayer. God answers us according to his will. He answers us according to his heart. He, get, he shows us this abiding love. He shows us to keep the commandments of 
of Jesus. And then look with me at verse 11 because this is about fruitfulness. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So the last one is full joy. So if we're just looking at these scriptures, and listen, I know that there's other scriptures like Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those are the fruit of the Spirit for sure. But what I'm talking about, if I was a person and all I had was just this chapter of the Bible and I was to measure fruitfulness, I would have to go by Jesus' words. And this is what Jesus is talking about right here, about us being fruitful. And so I'll say them again. Answered prayer, abiding love, obedience to Jesus' commandments, and full joy. Here's what I want you to understand. What it means to abide in Christ. When we talk about abiding in Christ, what does that mean? It means to remain in Christ. It means to abide in his love. It means to abide or to remain in his word. It means to stay near, to stay by him. And so it means to stay in prayer. It means to stay in obedience. You see, when I come into a place of prayer, I'm doing what? I am abiding in him, right? When I obey God's commands throughout my day, I am abiding in him. When I am in his word, I am abiding in him. That's what he calls us to do. And so we need to abide. But here's what I want you to get, because this is a gospel truth. We do not earn our place in Christ. We remain in the place that was secured for us. See, because when we think about abiding in him, it can easily turn our minds to works. Like I'm trying, I have to do something. Listen, what I want you to get is that the place has been secured for you. The grace has been released to you so that way you can do what? So that way you can abide. Because listen, on my own, I'm not going to abide in prayer. Come on, y'all know, on your own, unless you got to go to work, you ain't getting up at 430 to pray. Hello, somebody. You're not, get, you're, you're, you're not taking time out of your lunch schedule to be like, yo, I got to get to that phone call so I can pray if it's not for God's grace. You're not staying up until 930 at night you know, to get on the phone. You're not doing that kind of stuff. You're not seeking God in his word. You're not sharing with other people the truth of the gospel if it's all on your own ability. You and I have to realize that it is not us, that we are not great, good people, that we are sinners by nature, and that we are separated from God because of our sin. We have to understand that, and that Jesus went to do what? To make a place for us. He went to secure a place for us so that way we can do what? So that way we could abide in relationship with him, and we could bear fruit for the glory and the honor honor of the Father. Amen? Amen? The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, love must, love must. connect us connect to one another to fully experience life. Love must connect us to one another to fully experience life. Now, you'll notice that I changed the way that I spelled connect here. And the reason why is because we have these things called connect life groups. That's the way that we spell it, right, with a K. And so what I want you to realize is that we, you and I, we have to make sure that we are connected by love, that we are connected in relationship with one another. We need to realize that we are not, we, we have not been brought into the kingdom, into a relationship with Jesus, just to walk with Jesus and be okay. We need one another. Amen? We need each other. We need to be in each other's life. We need to be able to pray with one another. We need to be able to encourage one another. We need to be able to rebuke one another and be rebuked sometimes. Hello. I know we like to be the rebukers, but do we like to be the rebukees? Hello. You know, I've sat in plenty of connect groups and, you know, you hear people talking around the circle and connect and then all of a sudden you have the spiritual advisors in the room. They have advice for everyone, amen? Oh, well, let me explain this to you and let me explain that to you and hey, hold on a second. 
can I explain to you, all right? Let me talk to you about some things, right? So, so be careful if you're the spiritual advisor. That's just a little side plug there, right? Don't be the advisor in the group, right? Talk about yourself. Talk about how God is dealing with you. Talk about how God is, is working on your heart. And listen, I talk from experience because when you're running the group, that doesn't make me the spiritual advisor either. It is the spirit of God that is supposed to be the advisor. We're there to be vessels of, of for sure and to encourage one another. But even myself and my connect group, look, y'all, y'all rebuke me and call me a liar if I'm lying. But I I think I talk about myself, don't I? I talk about my own issues and how Jesus is dealing with me, right? I need some advice, right? I, I, I need to repent. I need to, you know, confess sin. I need to be called to the carpet on things. And so the truth of the matter is that we are supposed to be connected. So again, let's read verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Some people have called this the 11th commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you that you love one another. I just want to point out in verse 16, he says it again. He makes it clear that when he's talking about being fruitful, he's talking about answered prayer. He's talking about being a people that pray and seek God, and God answers them in the affirmative, right, and, 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 and executes his will in and through their lives. And then sometimes God says no, because what? He doesn't want them to go in that direction, but it's people that are hearing what the Father is communicating to them. And so again, Jesus raises the bar on what love really means. You see, Jesus doesn't say, the reason why some people call this the 11th commandment is because here, Jesus is saying what? He is telling them to love each other like what? like me, the way that I love you. He doesn't just say, hey, man, just love each other and you figure it out. Just love each other by your definition of love. That isn't what he says. He says to them, love each other the way that I have loved you, that we are supposed to love each other this way, right, the same way that he has loved us. He goes on in verse 13. He says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friend. And so he shows us this. See, love like Jesus is to love. To love like Jesus is to love perfectly. Let that sink in. To love like Jesus is to love perfectly perfectly. See, if I'm going to love like Jesus, that means that I love exactly as Jesus would every moment of every day, every situation, no fail. (laughs) Has anybody arrived there yet? Please, because if you have, I'll have a seat and I'll give you the mic because you need to talk to us, especially me. Amen. But see, here's, here's, here's what I want you to get. This is what we, we can't. We may not be able to arrive at perfect love while we're on this earth, but we should be. Hear me. According to 1 John, we should be being perfected in love. Amen? We should be being perfected in, our, in, in the love that God is working in us. And can I tell you one way that our love is perfected? It's like this, because Jesus says, greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. You know what he's saying? He's saying that the only way that we are going to walk in perfect love is if we are committed to making sacrifices. Perfect love cannot be executed apart from sacrifice. You are going to have to say, you know what? I'm not going to make my spouse get up today. I'm going to get up for them. Hello. Hello. And the baby starts crying, 
See, I got a witness up in here. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. When the baby starts crying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make them get up. I'm going to get up and do it. Even though I got to work and they don't. Even though, it's their, even, even though it's their day off and they can take a nap and I can. Hello. Even all those excuses run through our minds. See, it is us understanding we've got to make those sacrifices that I am going to be sacrificial for other people. If I'm going to love the way Jesus does, I'm going to have to lay down my life for somebody. Amen? And here's what I want you to get. When you and I are laying our lives down for someone else, it is not for them primarily that you are doing it, but you are primarily doing this for the glory of God. See, sometimes we look at someone and we're like, man, I am not laying my life down for them at all. They are not worthy of my love. You're right, and neither are you worthy of Jesus' love. Mm-hmm. See, the truth, any moment that you think someone is unworthy of your love, just remember, just remember who you really are. Just remember how many times you've gone before God and you're like, man, I messed up again. And he's like, I love you because what? Your love never fails, uh-huh. Right? His mercies are new every day. None of us are worthy of love. But God demonstrates his love for us, right? And what? While we were sinners, he dies for us. And so when we realize that, then we're able to love the way that God calls us to love. See, it is not optional. I want you to get this, church. It is not optional for believers to be unloving. Jesus didn't say, this is my, you know, great advice. That isn't what he said, right? This, this is my great advisement to you that you would love one another. Because it's going to go well for you if you love one another. That's not what he said. He said, this is my commandment. It is crystal clear that what he is saying is this is a command. This is something that we are held to. This is a standard that you and I must say, God, I may fall short, but I am called to love the way that you love. I'm called to do that because what? Because you call me to. You command me to do it. See, the fruit of our relationship with Jesus is love that reflects his love for us. Get that. It's love that reflects his love for us. It's us. Can I tell you the greatest key to you and I being able to love the way Jesus does? It's for us to be soaked in the wonder of the gospel. It's for us to be overwhelmed by looking at story after story of how Jesus was perfect and yet rejected, how, how Jesus didn't complain and yet he was slain for us, how we look at how Jesus lived this life that they had, that there was nothing that they could say against him and yet they murdered him. He died in our place and he did it because what he said it clearly, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. You see, when we begin to be overwhelmed by that reality and you, and, and you realize that you are the one who put those nails through his hands. I know it says it was Roman soldiers there, but know this, that piercing through was for you and I. And so in reality, it was us who pierced him through. That's who it was. Oh, that was so messed up, they spit in Jesus' face. Yes, that was messed up, you did that. That was messed up. You know, they smacked him with that bamboo stick on top of their head, beating that crown of thorns on top of him. That was messed up. Yeah, you did that. My sin, your sin did that. You see, and when we come to that reality that, man, that was my sin. It wasn't, you know, their sin. It wasn't her sin. It wasn't his sin. It was my sin. Then my heart begins to become overwhelmed by the love of God. My heart begins to be moved because my Savior endured all of that so that way I don't have to suffer the wrath of hell. Hello, somebody. I don't have to suffer separation from him, but I can be reconciled to him. I can be brought into a relationship, and I can experience his love and his grace all the days of my life. 
He did that for us. And so that's the way that our hearts become overwhelmed with his love. Our love for one another marks us as disciples, and that love is the byproduct of an abiding relationship with God through the sacrifice of his son for our reconciliation. See, the only reason why we're able to experience the love of God is because of what I just talked about, what Jesus did for us, because he dies in our place. The third thing, I'll ask you to repeat after me. Say, our connection to the world must be missional. Our connection to the world must be missional. Let's read the remainder of this chapter, verses 18 to 27. And it says this. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me, hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love, would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I have not come and spoken to them, they would, not, they, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin, but now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Our connection to the world must be missional. I remember when I first got saved, you know, I, I, had, I, had, my, I had my friends that I hung out with. I mean, I, I, you become a Christian, and you still have friends that are not Christian. And so you go, and you, you know, I was radically saved. I told you all the story, and I'll just share, I'll share it in a nutshell. My mother led me to Jesus on a Friday night. On a Saturday, I, I called my friend up, and I thought that smoking marijuana was cool. And I thought, and when I say cool, I don't mean like cool, like, yo. I mean like, you know, it was okay with God. Like, hey, it was, it was natural. It's from the earth. It's herbs. You know what I'm saying? You know, Rasta. You know, anyway, um, anyway we'll, go, we'll move on. But, um, you know, the point is... That's what I thought. So Saturday, I was on my way to Sanford to go and procure some stuff. On my way to Sanford, I was preaching to my friend that was driving me to Sanford, all the way from my house to Sanford and back. I'm telling him about everything that God did in my life last night. Get out of my car. He's like, man. I get out of his car. He's like, man, I got to go back to church. I was like, yeah, amen. Yeah, come to church. Go home, do my thing. Sunday morning, go to church. My Spanish was very bad then. I mean, it's gotten much better now after being in a Spanish church for eight years. But I don't know. The, I doubt the pastor said anything about not smoking weed or anything like that. All I know is that when I came home, I was convicted that I needed to get rid of that. So I dumped it in the toilet. That was the miracle right there. I want y'all to know. I was a serious weed head. I'm just, let, I'm just letting y'all. I'm, I'm laying it out there. I'm telling you, okay? Anyway. <laughs> Threw it away. So now I know this is wrong. But guess who's coming to my house Monday? My same old friends that are gonna to wanna to smoke weed. And so you know what I used to do? I would go hang out with them. They'll be fogging up the car and I wasn't smoking. I was preaching, straight up. And I wasn't getting high because I was still close. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like it affected me, right? Like y'all sitting in the car, they're getting fogged up. You'll be high by the moment you get out. I wasn't, I was in my right mind. I, was, I would hang out with them and I was preaching to them. And then finally they were like, dude, we are not picking you up anymore. And I'm like, why? We don't wanna hear you preach to us while we're high, hello. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus when they're high. I mean, I'm just saying, like, especially when I was preaching, I'm like letting them know, yo, we're fools, man. Y'all, we need Jesus. We're going to hell. I'm just, y'all, y'all, I'm not going to hell. Y'all are going to hell. So, you know, I didn't understand the whole sinner saint thing, but anyway, that's another day. But the point of the matter is that they, 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 they became this antagonism 
between me and my friends, even though I love them and they love me, right? There was this antagonism because what? Because I was opposed to the lifestyle they were living. And I want you to realize that when we are truly connected to Jesus, our connection to the world will and must change. We don't need, now hear me when I say this, we don't need to seek to make enemies. We just need to commit to live for the truth. What I want you to know is that you don't need to leave this place and be like, okay, I'm going to go and find 10 people to offend. You don't need to do that. All you have to do is say, I'm going to stand firm for the truth every opportunity I get. And can I tell you something? You'll offend 15, not just 10. Just saying, you are going to bring offense because the gospel is offensive. I said this in my connect group. People hate it when you tell them what they need to do. It's a quote from somebody that I heard, and I thought it was awesome. People hate it when you tell them what they can do, right, what what, what they have to do. When you give them rules, they hate it. You know what they hate even more? When you tell them there's nothing they can do. That's what the gospel says. The gospel says there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to deliver yourself. They hate that even more. Like, what do you mean? I'm not a good person. Well, according to the standards of the Bible, no. And they can run down the list. And you got a list too. It's called the Ten Commandments. Run them through it and you'll see how quickly they realize they're not good people. And if they don't realize it, it's because they're proud in their hearts. That's just the bottom line. But if they're reasonable and, and, they, and they listen to their conscience, they're going to realize that they're not good people. But here's the thing. When we are connected to Christ, Jesus tells his disciples, look, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. You see, the thing with us Christians is that we're afraid to be hated. We're worried that people are not going to like us. Can I tell you something? That's part of the program. That's part of what you bought into when you said, I'm going to follow Jesus, is that people are just not going to like you. That doesn't mean you got to be nasty. You should be, people should not, people should not dislike you because you're nasty. They should dislike you because you are so lovingly truthful. Did you hear that? They should be like, man, I want to punch him in the face, but I can't because he's so loving. Like, I really want to, like, I, they, they, they want to, but they just can't because you're like, Jesus loves you. <laughs> right? Like, that should be something going on inside. Like, I'm serious. Like, that, that should be your prayer. God, help me to be so lovingly truthful that they can't say anything bad about me, that anything that they can say is like, I just hate when he says the truth. Or I hate when she says the truth. I hate when she brings that up. It's not the way she brings it up. It's just what she's saying. Why? Because the love of God is exuding and overflowing your life. And you know what? People just can't stand the truth no matter how nice you package it. Are you here? And so we should be those people that are walking in that love. See, we cannot allow ourselves to be confused, conformed, or confounded as we live for the truth in the midst of an antagonistic, anti-Bible, and anti-Christ culture. The reality is truth always divides. Hear me when I say this. It is supposed to put a decision before those it is presented to. You see, whenever you come before someone with truth, they have to make a choice to either accept it or reject it. If God exists and he is the God of the Bible, then you know what? You have some decisions to make. Are you going to live your life or are you going to live how you want to live? You know what the problem in our nation is right now? It's not that so many people don't believe in God. It's that they don't believe in the God of the Bible. It's that they don't want to hear the truth of the God of the Bible. They want to mix all kind of religions. Why? Because they love their sin. And if I can mix it all together and I can just call myself spiritual, then I'm good to go. Listen, I hate to tell you this, but there are a lot of spiritual people that are going to spend an eternity in hell. And they're real spiritual. They were deep. And they're going deep. 
Just saying. We have to be those people. We can't allow the world to silence us. You see, when we look at these scriptures here, we find something. And, and, and I want you to see this here in verse 24. Jesus says this, and th this is so important. I mean, this, this, this needs to move our hearts in a big way for those who don't know Jesus. He says, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now that they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which was written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Verse 22, look at verse 22 as well. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father. See, our hearts should be stirred with compassion over those who reject the words and works of Jesus. In these days, Jesus had spoken to them over and over and over again, making it abundantly clear that he was God the Son, that he was the long-awaited Messiah, that he was the answer to the prayers of the people of Israel, and that he was the hope of the nations. He made that abundantly clear. He couldn't have made it any clearer for them. And still they hated him. Still they rejected him. But not only did he speak words, but he also did works. So he, did, he spoke the truth, but he showed them the truth as well. And they still rejected him. They still denied him. And see, the reason why we should be moved with compassion is because just as the people who witnessed these things firsthand hated Jesus, bringing themselves into judgment, so it is true of everyone who rejects the gospel message today. Are you hearing me? You see, the same way that people reject the words of Jesus then and reject the works of Jesus then, the same way that they brought themselves into judgment, the same way that they were in danger of hellfire is the same truth for the people today who are rejecting the word of God, which proclaim what? It proclaims the works of God and the truth of God that is there. When someone looks at your life that has been changed by the gospel, they are rejecting the works of God. And when you proclaim to them the works of God and speak to them the word of God, they are rejecting the Savior who has the ability and desire to deliver them. And you know what they do? They bring themselves into judgment. The beauty of it is that Jesus died so they don't have to experience that. And God calls them into faith, into repentance. And listen, if you're sitting in here today and you don't know Jesus, he calls you to repentance. He calls you to put your trust and your hope in him. So my closing question is this. How are your connections? How are your connections? First question is most important here is, are you connected to Jesus? Have you put your trust in him? Have you submitted your life to him? Have you recognized that you are separated from him because of your sin and that the only thing that can bring you into a right relationship is not the good works you do, it's not the money you give, it's not the charities you serve, it's not anything like that. It is simply by putting your faith in the cross and what Jesus did for you. The first question is, are you connected to Christ? The second question is, how is your, or how are your relationships with other believers? Are you actively engaged in developing relationship with other believers? Listen, I do not expect everyone in this church to know everyone in this church intimately. That's impossible. But what I do expect is that you would hear the word of God and realize that you need to be connected to some people that are in the church, in the church that you call home, and be connected with them in life because that is what the scriptures call us to do. Are you here? And then my other question is, how your connection to the world? 
Are you like that blow dryer I told you about earlier? Plugged into a light switch, but also plugged into the water, electrocuting everyone, right? Are you in a bad situation? I mean, seriously, right? I mean, are, are, are you connected to the world in an antagonist and in, in an antagonistic way? Or are you connected to the world like, yo, I'm cool and, I, and, and I'm okay being like I am? Listen, if you're okay being like you are, connected with those people that don't know Jesus and connected in a lifestyle that's not right, God calls you to do what? To connect with Jesus by faith to trust him with your life. Jesus died, again, to heal our relationship with God, to heal our relationship with others, and to disconnect us from the strongholds of the world system so we could be missionaries in our culture. And I close with this. We cannot effectively maintain kingdom connections without the grace of God, period. We can't do it. If it's not by the grace of God, we can't maintain the connections God wants us to maintain. Amen? Stand to your feet, bow your heads with me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day, God. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your kindness. And Father, I just come before you today on behalf of every person in this building, Lord God. Father, I pray first and foremost that we would check our hearts before you right now, God. I pray that we would open our hearts, that we would open our minds up to you, Spirit of God, and that you would search us and show us where is it that we are disconnected, Lord? Where is it in our lives that we are disconnected from you? Where is it in our lives that we're disconnected from other brothers and sisters? Where, in it, where is it in our lives that you are trying to prune us and remove things from us, Lord God? Where is it in our lives that we are too connected with the world, Lord God, and not enough uh, disconnected from them so we can influence them with the gospel? Father, give us hearts that would repent before you today. For anyone in this place, God, that is not connected to you, that has not put their faith and trust in you, that is not walking in a relationship with you, God, I pray right now that you would draw them to you, God, that you would give them a heart to repent, that you would help them to trust you with their lives and believe that you are who you say you are, God. Father, I pray for those in this place that are disconnected from their brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God. Father, I pray for those wounds. I pray for those hurts. I pray for those letdowns. I pray for those broken relationships, God. I pray that you would heal those things, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, God, that we would not fear not being connected to the world in the way that they would like, but that we would stand for your truth as your children, as your ambassadors. And we pray these things, Lord God, believing you. And we honor you and we ask you all of this in Jesus' good name. And someone said, Amen. come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.